0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast, the podcast we started back when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam,
1: and joining me today are uh, Dan Ledwood, otherwise known as Leadhead27 on the forum. We don't do that anymore, Dan. You know, I've been away for <laughs> no. so long. Jeez, a... get with the program. Oh, so I'm not down with the kids, Dan Ledwood. There you go. Just have that
2: then. And Dom. <laughs> Just Dom.
0: Not even a surname. Anonymous. It's like he's like share. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: well, my know name's Samwise. How do I
2: follow that? How do I follow that?
1: Well, you turn, you uh, do what Prince did. You turn your name into a symbol. That's that's the only course of action. I would love probably. to see you try and um, <laughs> try and actually say that into your microphone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure how how we lead into anything from that. So yeah, it's going to be sort of a a general catch up today. I think we've all done some stuff in the last, uh, you know, last last few weeks. Air show season's into full swing now, so opening today is going to be Dom, who went to Midlands Air Festival last week. I did. Went on the
2: Saturday. uh, Bloody cold. There was a massive wind all day, and it just Hmm. the sun was out quite a bit, but it took the edge. The wind took the edge off it and Mm. it was really cold, even though you were sitting into the sun all day, really cold. But, as an event, good little show. Um, I think it's in its third, maybe fourth year now. Uh, Held at Ragley Hall, just outside of, uh, about 45 minutes outside of Birmingham.
1: Mm.
2: Good little event. I think it's more aimed at a family, it's an inland seaside show. There you go, that's a good description for it. Okay. But, I think this year, every year, they, they seem to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. They had some really good Items to cater for the enthusiast. Um, Coventry Vampire was back out again. Oh yeah, hadn't seen that since
1: destroyed a runway.
2: Yeah, that was the last time I saw it. So, (laughs) and I I can't, I don't recall it being at any airshow since then. So, but really good display by that. Good to see it out and about on the scene again. Tony De Bruyne with his Bronco, which based itself at Ragley Hall, which is. Only really temporary strip, really short landing strip, is also well. demonstrating its its takeoff mm. cap, short takeoff capabilities quite well, and yeah, just the usual red uh, BBMF ran me. I only ran on the Saturday. Uh, it was just a Lancaster and a Hurricane on the Saturday, rather than the trio, but. Because it it, it, it wasn't
0: it not also on the Thursday and Friday of the bank holidays.
2: Yeah, it was all three days to cel- help celebrate the Queen's Jubilee, as they put it. Um, haven't, I've never been on the weekdays, but they aim to do a mass hot air balloon launch at night with a firework mm. display as well, which always looks impressive. But I think this year, because of the weather, they only managed that on the Thursday. If they managed okay. at all, hmm. but the wind put pay, paid to that on Friday and Saturday. Um, but again, cracking little event. Not a too bad a ticket price. I think I paid thirty pound per ticket. Okay. Uh, hmm. And a full a full di- uh, day's display from I think it started about half eleven till six. Oh wow, wow. that's a that's that a good list. I think there, there was there was a tea break, or they call it a tea break. Yeah. Uh, um, for an hour and a bit in the afternoon, I think some of the displays later on were there was a couple of gaps in between displays. But
1: you, you've you've missed the big highlight, Dom, which was the grub tutor that's no longer white anymore.
0: I was I was literally about to ask how's mm-hmm. how's the tutor display that, that we,
1: we was... previously
0: previously discussed on the podcast uh, uh, about having to go up to North Ayrshire to see it, but
2: uh... and it probably got rained off as well. Um, Oh really? Typical, typical tutor display. Good little, nice little display. I think it suited Wrigley Hall well because it's quite a small venue. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: rather than you know displaying a a React crowd line where it's there for hours, or it's there for miles, sorry, but really good display, tight display. I enjoyed it, especially being last. Is it last year? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is Is it? I think think so.
2: Oh really? I I might make that up. I don't know. Happy happy to be interested.
1: On what grounds? Because yeah. um, I thought it was to do with them slowly phasing out the grobs. Now, mind you, the, I don't oh, know the how...
0: tutor. The tu- sorry, I thought you meant Midlands Ed. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, calm down. Don't on really that, know listen. what. I... Not bad. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's been its last year for years and years, hasn't it? I'll tell you I mean, next it might year. actually be its last year, but find out next year true i do i do want to see it this year i, don't, I have no idea where i'm going to see it, particularly in that yellow scheme just because cool but uh you never know it
1: might might turn up as static at reatt possibly yeah um did it make a did you notice a big difference with it being pen, particularly being did you say it was cloudy yeah. or did, did it make it any easier to spot or i presume it did because that's the whole point of it being yellow
2: I'd say no, no, none more so than being white and blue with the sharp. Oh, really? it, it
0: was different because you said you you didn't take your camera. Yeah, you just went as a punter. So obviously, yeah. I, I, it makes a huge difference with these kind of things when you're a photographer when you're taking pictures. Yeah, when if you're just watching it, it's it's you know it's not a huge airplane anyway. So.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think with with the, as well because the way the Ragley hall set out, it's like uh, an amphitheater. So the runway is at the bottom of a bowl, and you're sitting on a hill. So I think the crowd line does seem to be quite a little bit further away than usual at a normal, mm. you know, runway crowd line event. So, but still, you can see it perfectly fine. As I said I don't really think it stood out any more so than being in white. Mm. But good to see. I always enjoy a two display. I think yeah. very underrated. Yes. Sorry, go on.
0: Sorry. Any, always the, the, always the, the toilet break and stuff like that. And...
1: That's... An
0: aerobatic aeroplane, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, Dan.
1: That's all right. Um, I see that, because um, you are saying, uh, um, obviously tying in with, I want to use it, platy-jubes. Um, the... I have been what
0: 100% <laughs> unironically been calling it the platy-jubes, and I have died a little inside every time I have.
1: But you're, I don't know what else you'd call you're it. You're the platinum jubilee?
2: Yeah, that's well long.
1: <laughs> oh, what? You know, and formal. Way X? too formal.
2: <laughs> um, you could I... say, you could call, could call it Dom's birthday because it was my birthday. Oh, was on it? Thursday. Yeah. Did you not know? Oh, of course it was. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I wished you a happy birthday. So, that's,
1: f- that's forget how... Liz.
2: Forget Liz. No one cares about her. It was all about yeah. me. We got big, big Dom.
0: Yeah, the Big five zero.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, feel it, I feel it. I feel it. I'm telling <laughs> you. I feel really? Really?
1: You should have um, you should have asked the Bronco demo team to put a sticker of your face next to the Platinum Jubilee symbol on the top of the aeroplane. Oh, did have? they have something? Yeah. So did you not see it? So on the very top of um, the fuselage, it had the, the crest or whatever they're using for the Platinum Jubilee. Huh. And there's one on the tail as well. Do you know, speaking of uh,
0: the Bronco of Tony De Bruyne and the Bronco and that, I a, a complete side thing. Um, on Facebook earlier, I was I was just what well, was on Facebook earlier, and I saw um, he'd commented on something, and it was a Swedish caravel um, that had been preserved for a long time that was no longer able to stay where it was, and it was a post saying that they've um, I'll see if I can get it up saying that they had um, managed to find, uh, make a deal to, for it to get sent to um, Finland to be preserved again um which was very cool and it, you know good that it's going over there and it's it's quite nice um yeah Sw- swedish caravel uh, s-e-d-a-f if anyone's actually interested at arlanda There
2: i go um, dan's logging
0: it oh arlanda that's the airport um the, the big one at stockholm which is quite a win- uh, weirdy place anyway so it's, it's gone off to finland and it's quite nice um uh, and then I, I saw this post because Tony De Bruyne commented on it and said, just letting the, the guy know, we still hold the largest stock of Caravelle spare parts worldwide. Do not hesitate to contact me should you need anything during the restoration. What? So I, I don't know what... Because obviously, I, I mean, you know, the Bronco thing, I'm assuming it's not his full-time job and all of that, but I, I do wonder where that, what that is, where, why he and who we are and why he's involved with the world's largest stock of Caravelle spare parts. Whoop, whoop. Um... Where's... Do you know what? We should get him on the pod. I bet he'd come on the podcast as well.
2: I bet he'd be well up for it. Really, yeah. really... I spoke to him a couple of times
0: at React. Really, he's very guy. approachable. Yeah, he, he, well, he, he accepts everyone on Facebook. He's liked a few of my posts from time to time as well. He's like clearly quite a down to earth guy. Different,
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I that, sorry, interest. that
0: was just a weird, a weird thing that I noticed earlier and was like, ah, huh?
1: that's Where's weird. Where's the Bronco base, Belgium? Yeah. I can't even think of any caravels in Belgium. Hang on. Oh, I
0: tell you where I saw a absolutely stonking caravel was uh outside was um the the museum in Belgrade. I can't remember if I mentioned that on the podcast or not. I went to sir cert- because I've mentioned the the museum in Belgrade if I haven't, apologies if I'm, I'm repeating myself. I've wanted to go to the museum in Belgrade for a very long time and I, I mentioned that on the uh on the the museums episode we did. And I managed to go to, finally, finally, finally go to Belgrade a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Had a week off, I, I went. Booked last minute flights. I, th- I booked flights on the Saturday, flew out on the Sunday. It's was like, finally going to this museum. Finally going to see YU-CNT. Finally going to see all these lovely Yugoslavian planes. And get there on the Sunday. Monday morning, they post on Facebook, oh, the museum is now closed, permanently closed until, or, or, or fully closed until uh, September for renovations. It's like, they knew you were coming, mate. They clearly knew I was coming. Like, they, God, God does not want me to see this aeroplane. Um. Anyway, they, I, I did, I, I went along anyway, and they, they were actually happy to let me photograph the stuff outside, which was quite nice. Um. But they have a beautiful, uh, yacht or jet, uh, caravel <sighs> parked outside, which in gorgeous colours looks fantastic.
1: Anyway, sorry. Uh, I, I've just googled caravels in Belgium. There is actually one in that pretty cool-looking museum in brussels and it's a sabina one with the gear up as well on a on a um on stilts inside oh, nice. it looks absolutely gorgeous
0: well i assume i mean there's quite a lot of caravels around
1: yeah um, love a i assume
0: I, I i would love to know what that connection is um might as well ask him um yeah sorry I, I took us on a mad tangent there so
1: well seeming as we were talking about the platinum jubilee um, uh, sorry the what dan? Sorry so it as we we're talking about the platy jubes edit that Platy-Jubes, in. there Dom's we go. Birthday. Um sorry Dom's <laughs> birthday <laughs> His 50th. Um, <laughs> um Sam you were there weren't you? In deepest darkest London to to watch the feverites. Well I was
0: I, I was I went to see the fly flypast. I didn't go near the mall or really too far into the crowds cuz pussy but sorry, because people and um, <coughs> trackers. Um, <laughs> but I did. I I did uh, go along over to Waterloo Bridge, which was is just just about south of the Mow or thereabouts, um, and saw the fly past. Uh, and actually, I, I, I should must give credit to to Scott Perry, who's on the one of the Ucar guys, who's. Uh, keeps a bit quiet actually normally but he's, he's always around Um, and because he's always gone into town for the Queen's birthday fly pass and he went in town and actually did our write up of the RAF centenary fly pass so I knew he, he knew where to go so I asked him where he tends to go and he said goes on to Waterloo Bridge Um, and I went onto the bridge and it was I wouldn't say heaving, it wasn't like packed to the rafters kind of absolutely heaving on the bridge but it was way busier than i thought it was going to be and people were only on the bridge to see the fly pass really because you there, wouldn't, there wasn't anything else to see from there um and that was actually quite a surprise was just the number of people who were there to see the planes and <laughs> and there were lots of spotters on the on the bridge a <laughs> lot of whom i recognized just from out and about at stuff which was quite funny um not none of whom I, I knew or probably even have spoken to i think in person but faces I recognised which was quite weird um just seeing them lined up on a bridge in London (laughs) um but it was good And, and and uh the sight of some of the formations or certainly that first shot first sight of um the helicopters coming along in formation was incredible like because you don't ever really see formations of that size normally um you know, and you had all these helicopters in formation and fantastic noise. You had the BBMF, the Lancaster. It was two Spitfires and two Hurricanes. Oh, you know, the noise was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then you just had, I think, bar the Prefects, Junos, and Jupiters, you had pretty much everything in the RAF in- inventory. Yep. And, in fact, the the Fleet Air Arm and Army Air Corps. Um Really, really cool. You know, even a rivet joint in the fly pass. Then he had a, a Poseidon, obviously I'm using my hands here, so it's not going to mean anything to people listening, but he had the Poseidon and then behind it, as though it was in a refueling position, the rivet joint. And then you had in the same sort of formation, an, an Atlas and C 17, which was really cool to see. Yeah. You know, and the noise of a lot of this stuff, because it was very low. Um, and the, the 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 highlight, of course, was the... I can't remember how many it was. But anyway, the, the, the typhoons in, in the formation of the number 70. 15 which was, of them.
1: Sorry? 15. 15
0: typhoons. 15? So cool to see. Uh, and, and having not seen the, the centenary fly past, because I was at Riyadh, funny enough, that week, um, at Rivals, um, seeing a formation of that made out of fighter jets is bonkers.
1: Like, it's so weird and so cool. I mean, if you think about it, I mean... I'm I loud. Yeah, you watched it as well, Dom, on TV, didn't you? It's quite difficult on a TV screen to... Mm. The size of the actual formation of the 70. I presume it really filled the sky. So I
0: I brought my cameras along. Um, I'm not... There's nothing special about the photos I got because they were literally just photos of the stuff as they went past. And I wasn't really that happy with what I was getting as they went past because... The, the smallest lens I had was my 70 to 200 that I had out um, and that even with the 70 where I was on the bridge at 70 millimeters it was the formations were too big for the right for the screen so like with the helicopters for example in fact, I didn't get anything of the second formations I was so busy trying to get my cameras out and swap them around and all that um, because I hadn't realized it were gonna I was gonna need a wider wider angle uh, lens and they they were big and then the 70 formation was huge yeah like it it was it was a, an insane sight and i've actually there had a colleague who who the formations went right over her house um and the, there's a site she took a video of the 70 formation and it's banking slightly it's turning slightly as it went over her house nice and it is such a it it doesn't look quite right the sight of these all these jets in a formation of a number going across. Um, really weird. Very, very loud. And of course, when you ever you know, how many, the, the thought that they're going to have all those typhoons, because they had another couple in, in formation with the Voyager as well. That's a lot of typhoons to have in the air at the same time.
1: Well, serviceable. The, the, it was so many. Well, not so many, but they um, they took a bunch of airframes from Lossy Mouth. And had to take them down to coningsby because there just wasn't enough down at Coningsby, and also probably one squadron and six squadron up here in Lossiemouth wanted to get involved as well. So but yeah, it's a lot of. I, I was staggered a Rivet Joint took part, if I'm honest, with what's going on at the moment.
0: Makes you wonder if they could have had a cent a century in the thing because they're still flying around. <laughs> Chilean Air Force. Um, I know century. they're off the books, but they're, they're... Sorry,
1: Chilean Air Force Sentry
0: and oh, that would have been very cool but um it, yeah it, I mean it was a fantastic it, it looks incredible like I've never seen I've never even seen the queen's birthday fly pass before which are obviously much smaller than that was but that was uh the sight of a fly pass like that is very cool now I you know, I know I've, I've waxed lyrical about it in the group the reasons behind it I, like I said I didn't really go into town for any other stuff and I, I didn't really do anything else for the Jubilee either to be perfectly honest but the fly pass just very cool to see, I guess and actually the and actually the seventy formation got a big um, round of applause and the big cheer for the red arrows as they went over as well, which was quite nice. Um, yeah, I, it's not something I forget. I don't think because it was, and probably we'll never see something like that. I wouldn't have thought in the UK again. Now, now that the RAF centenary is out of the way, and we're not obviously not going to have a a seventieth jubile- jubilee and all that sort of stuff again.
1: I was going to say from. Something that you probably don't quite get at an air show or um, or anything like that is the atmosphere of people who perhaps usually at air shows, apart from when the display pilots landed. You know, you don't get cheers when EBMF BMF go over and stuff like that. But I imagine it's something like that.
2: Mm. Well, you-, oh, you do. i I, I think, you- it. I think I've, I've said before that. I don't really think you get an understanding of how much aviation is light until you see it outside of maybe an air show. That's yeah. very true. I think, for me, one thing that took me, or that hit me, I work in the town centre at uh, Solihull, where Jaguar Land Rover works, uh, where Jaguar Land Rover is. A couple of years ago, they had the 70th uh, anniversary celebration or something. They had the Red Arrows fly over the factory and the town centre. I was at work, so I went into the town centre to... You just go and experience it, and the the applause and the appreciation for them from just the general public mm. that they got makes you understand that yeah you know, they are a big deal to the British public, and aviation mm. maybe the RAF in general is, is much more of a big deal than what I ever thought it would be. Just going to air shows,
1: mm. yeah. Um, when the when the Tony Folds fly pass happened, um, the chap in Sheffield who um looks after the um uh, memorial for me amigo in Encliffe Park Sheffield stopped the day of that fly past and everyone went to go out and watch this this fly past by the f-15s and the typhoons and stuff like that it was and I thought mm, there'll be a few people there but yeah the whole city just stopped and congregated on this one place and yeah I don't think you re- quite appreciate the pulling power of Things
0: like that. And people like planes. It is. It is planes easy are cool. to forget how much people do. Well, let's not pat ourselves on the back too much. Uh, but, I um, can. You know, it's like you know. I obviously have the Mickey taking out of me at work a lot for the plane stuff, Lo- lovingly. You know, not not you know in a bad way. But I remember when the An two two five flew over London. God rest its soul. Um, flew over London. Not that long ago, I think it was only about six months ago or so, maybe even less. Um, and it was a beautiful, like the clearest skies I've seen in a long time. And I saw it, I ha- literally just happened to randomly see that it was flying over London on flight radar um, and saw it was there. And I was just like, wait, wait a minute, what? Anyway, so I was like, I, I just said out loud, oh, the biggest plane in the world is about to fly over us. And people were like, what? And then I looked out the window and saw it. And, the entire office came to the windows to see, to look up and see it, and were quite into it being there. um You know, pe- people like it. People are into that kind of stuff.
2: No one likes aeroplanes until they see an aeroplane.
0: That's a very, That's very it. good, very wise. I like that. Yeah. People like air shows. You know, there's a reason why people go to the react re- at, Reacts a sellout every year, and air shows are sellouts every year, isn't it? You know. Aren't we smart for being into planes? Hell yeah. Um some of us take it a bit further than others though. Uh including our very own sky god. <coughs> so we've spent the last Ew. two years Ew. making so much fun of him for not being able to fly a plane. Hey, well, like, hang about. I did a little bit of flying in the past. Oh two yeah, no, years. that's true. Yeah, well you kept you kept that quiet though. Um let's just say it was a certain three letter organizations in america in in doing some stuff in uh nicaragua um but do you want do you want to break the news dan
1: yeah so by the time this podcast goes out ian um i've been very lucky and i've managed to get a job i'm flying again or will be flying again soon um i've managed to get a job with logan Air. Um, so for people that don't know, a lot of people have heard of them. Um, the biggest regional airline in the UK now, um, since the demise of flyby. Um, and I'll be flying the ATR 42, most of the ATR 72 out of Inverness. Um, it's a mix of passenger and cargo, which will be quite good fun. I'm looking forward to doing a bit of cargo flying, um, on the night shift down to East Midlands and stuff like that. So yeah, um, been out doing my training in, well, it's, it's been Christ, when did I, so my start date was the middle of April and it's been what we at now a month, nearly two months of just literally not stopping. It has been nothing but work, 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 work. But got a bit of leave coming up which i'm looking forward to and it has been so much fun to learn how to fly again um and to really sort of get my teeth into sort of the nitty-gritty of uh, you know technical ground school and stuff like that so yeah it's been it was a bit of a shock at first i think the big thing that i've took away from it is the past two years you it's almost complacency you used to I mean, with the work that I was doing, working and starting in Asda, then working at Wonderland, you don't take any work home. It's it's normal nine-to-five routine, and you get used to that. In this, um, I've been out in the sim. You know, sim sessions are from 10 at night till sort of one in the morning and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, you've got to sort of get your mind and your body back into the routine of being a pilot again, which is, it is different to to everything else that I've done over the past two years
2: Without meaning to ask loads of questions because I think we're going to cover it off in a future podcast um, How did you find your muscle memory? Did, did it come flooding back or did you have to pretty much learn from scratch? It's
1: So the, the big thing that got me was, yes it's a different airplane alright it's a turboprop the Dash A and the ATR couldn't be more different if they tried um, but one thing that I yeah, found. On
0: the ATR the cockpits at the back.
1: Hey, eh?
2: what, what was that? I said,
0: I said on the ATR the cockpits at the back.
2: <laughs> um, it's it's an awful, awful
1: joke. I'm sorry. It's, it's I, I laughed in sympathy. Pity, to be honest. Pity. Yeah, it was a pity laugh. You suck, Sam. Um, it's, I had I, because I've been exposed. I've so I've got over fifteen hundred hours now. I've got more capacity to think about other stuff whilst doing it, whilst doing the flying. What are you giggling at? I pulled a face when you said I've got 1,500 hours. No. I went... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so at Fly, because it was the first time I not didn't, I didn't have any experience, so it all comes very quickly, and it's it, all of it's learning. But with mm. this, because you sort of get you know you're doing an ILS an ILS is an ILS so you kind of used to configuration and stuff like that so yeah capacity wise more capacity I'm not gonna oversell myself and say I knew everything because I didn't and one thing that I That's realized you. is you I did have brain fade after two years for as you know really I've, yeah I mean I've kept my I've, I know, like it was noticeable I mean I kept my license cut co- I mean Sorry, I kept my type rating current on the Dash 8 over the past two years. But that's, that's what, one four-hour sim session a year?
2: Mm.
1: Y- you're going to forget. And unless your head's in the books, you're going to forget. It's a bit like learning a language. You can keep the fundamentals, yeah. but a lot of it will disappear. But it's funny, once you start reading it in a book again and you start reading about standard operating procedures, it all comes back straight away. Like, I found myself, <laughs> I found myself in the sim trying to do calls for, for the Dash 8. I was like, oh, wait, hang on a minute. This is a different airplane. What, what, what does that mean? So, I mean, for instance, you get to acceleration altitude, um, which, so in layman's terms, when you depart, you get to a 1,000 feet above aerodrome level, and you reduce the pitch, and you let the aircraft lift, physically accelerate um, in order to get the flaps up it and things like that. And I found myself so in the in the dash eight. It was um, you had a particular we call them flows. So you do certain things, and I found myself the, the prompts for the flow trying to say the things from the dash eight in the eight. I was like, ah, wait, yeah. no, this is it's just a it's a muscle memory thing. It's just because you get so used to saying it on the line over That's and over really interesting. and over again. So you've got to sort of. The big thing they say when you're starting on a new type rating is everything that you learnt before, get rid of it. Which is easier said than done when you've been doing it for a good couple of years because it's the only thing you ever knew. You have to try and ditch it. It's also particularly
0: interesting when you think about pilots who hold multiple type ratings.
1: It's, it's particularly interesting at Logan Air because I'm not going to get too into it, because otherwise it gets a bit boring. But they've got the ATR-72... I, I, I,
0: I disagree. It's a world that n- not, neither of us, and I would imagine a lot of our listeners, have any inside knowledge on whatsoever. Right, I'm genuinely f- quite interested in how this all works, because I have no idea.
1: So, at Logan, a, we've got the ATR... So, basically split it down into four components. You've got the ATR-42 and the ATR-72. The 42 being the little one, 72 being the big one. Longer, sorry. Um... You've then got the 4272-500, which is mostly Steam gauges, so analogue dials, and you get two LCD screens in it for your attitude indicator and your EHSI. Um, In the 600, it's full glass cockpit. The Dash 8 was full glass cockpit. For anyone that doesn't know what glass cockpit means, it basically means digital screens. You don't have... Physical gauges in it; it's all on a computer screen. And I'm learning at the moment to only fly the 500. Some point down the line, I'll probably end up flying the 600 because that's. Is
0: it? Is it a
1: totally different type rating? No, so it's a differences course, um, and quite a few of my mates are out in Toulouse doing it at the moment. But the thing is, even though it's, I mean, theoretically, you're only doing all you're doing is putting analog. Displays into digital format, but because the format of it is so different, mm. you've got to learn that it, it's all different. And because it's a new airplane, there's newer features to it, so it's a it's almost like a new type brain even though it's the same airplane.
0: Well, I was going to say, presumably, I mean, I can only assume. when you have a glass cockpit, you have loads of different pages and stuff, and all the screens. Because yeah, they have that capability.
1: So for it's very um because ATR is um, it's French. French-Italian.
0: I was going to say, I thought it was Italian.
1: Yeah. Um, they're built in, I mean, they're, they're built in Toulouse, I think. Are they? Yeah. Um,
2: so it's a Bugatti?
1: Yeah, it's a Bugatti. Hey. That's exactly <laughs> it. It's a Chiron of the skies. Dan Dan is flying the Bugatti of the skies. What was the Dash 8 then? Because if it was, I don't know, I don't know of Fucking any Can, Canadian car manufacturers. Trabant. But who?
0: Trabant. That's German, you idiot. I know, it's not a one to one. Oh I'm just saying how <laughs> crap the Dash eight was. I don't know any
1: Canadian car
0: manufacturers. <laughs>
2: there are none.
1: Exactly. Aston Martin, Lawrence Stroll.
0: There you go. The Dash eight was not an Aston Martin of <laughs> disguise, Dan. Um Well, the current Aston Martin F one team, maybe. <laughs> Direct copy of something else. Uh
1: um. Um, yeah, so in the 600 If you have an abnormal or an emergency A bit like an Airbus It'll actually bring the checklist up onto the screen And mm-hmm. it'll go through it in the five- Automatically Yeah um, So in the 500 you have, um, You'll have you get your master warning or your master caution um, And then it'll come up on your uh, What's called your cap Um, which enunciates what the failure is, like electric or smoke Mm -hmm. or engine fire. And then there's a a local alert on the overhead panel or on the glare shield in front of you, and you have to physically go into a paper uh, checklist and read Mm -hmm. it through. That was what it was like on the dash, to be fair. So, question on that front.
0: I don't know what Dom's preference is, actually, but I certainly know that both you and I, as enthusiasts, like steam-gauge cockpits... um, as a preference as a pilot what would you rather fly would you rather fly the 500 with the scheme steam gauges or would you as a thinking about as a pilot who at doing your day job would you rather fly the 600 with the much more capable and much better displays of the 600
1: hard question to answer i'll answer that one when i'm actually on the line flying it. okay but First impression, you look at it. Or may- maybe maybe as a more
0: that's a more generic question.
1: Though. Yeah, I mean the the thing that gets me. I mean, like I had posters. So whilst I was doing my ground school, you had a big like A two poster, and it showed the cop. Like I I've never been in an ATR before. Mm. Never flown on one. Um, never been a passenger in one. Think um, the, only, the only ATR I've been on was the uh,
0: Italian Navy or Air Force P seventy two that was at Yeovilton one year. Nice on, on the ground on static. Yeah.
1: It's that initial sort of, wow, there's a lot to look at because you've got, you know, two gauges for your NH, two gauges for your NP, two gauges for your ITT. Everything's because it's obviously (laughs) propeller. Those ones I actually do Propeller torque, engine temperatures, fuel flow, fuel temperatures, oil temperatures, oil pressures, and it's all just sort of in a line. And you walk in and there's like, holy shit, there's a lot to look at. On a glass cockpit, it's all quite neat and tidy because and, it's basically six screens, two for the captain, uh, two in the middle for like your engine parameters. Oh, sorry, on the dash it was five. Two for the captain, one for your engine display and two for the first officer. So it, it's neater. It just It's all, whereas in the ATR it was like bang, 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 gauges everywhere. Um, I mean, the ATR is an old aeroplane. Um, mm. The the 500 first flew in nineteen eighty some 89, 88 or something like that. Mm. So the actual fundamentals of the airplanes quite old. i want to double check that it was actually that old. Hang on, because they're listening at Logan Air Actually, if you get this wrong,
0: <laughs> <laughs> sad. Uh... So it, it, it's an interesting. The reason I, I asked that, or well, not the reason. The reason asking because of what you were talking about, but. It's something I've occasionally thought about because as an enthusiast and, say, Flight Simmer, for example, I much prefer steam gauges because they have that look about them and that feel about them. They have a sort of real feel about them that a a digital, all digital glass cockpit doesn't really have. But, and and for that reason, you know, I look at the cockpit of something like an F-35, which has just one giant screen in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it, it uh, you know, revolts me. I think it's, it looks awful. I just think it looks horrible. But then, obviously, if you actually talk to the pilots, they want all of that because it makes their job easier. Yeah. And and obviously not in your... Well, as it, to some degree, it, it, it potentially does, but obviously not really in your case. But for a military pilot, say, all of that stuff going on increases the percentage of them coming home alive at the end of the mission. Yeah, no. And I, so I, when you talk I, to people, you talk to the pilots about it, they want all that because... Saves their life, obviously, yep. and in your case, it makes your job easier. It makes your day-to-day job more manageable.
1: Yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree with that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's more tactile having an analog flight mm. deck or pre- predominantly analog flight deck. But you're absolutely right, um, because ten to one, the features of a glass cockpit aircraft tie in with systems, mm. so it'll it'll do stuff for you. Whereas in the past you'd then have to go and do it. I mean, it's analog. I mean, the ATR does look after you. I mean, for instance, if an engine fails, it'll. It's not old fashioned that you have to feather the engine; it'll feather the engine for you and, and things like that. So, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what it's like on the line compared to the dash because you just got very used to it very quickly, mm-hmm. like how things would appear and things like that. Um, so yeah we'll wait and see with that one but so far it's a, it's a lovely aeroplane to fly a hell of a lot less power than a dash 8 really so the, what, engi- what
0: what engines does it have versus the dash 8
1: so the the dash 8 had Pratt and Whitney 150s, uh 150As the ATR 72 has Pratt and Whitney 127S to put that into context um each Um, so one engine on a Dash Eight Q400 has more power than both engines on an ATR 72 or 42.
0: Oh no! Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh no, Dan. Performance-wise, what a letdown you've become. Is I mean we could so we used to be able to climb out of London Heathrow on the Dash at 230 knots, which is as fast as what the jets could go. Uh, Speed limited, of course, but it was quick. In this, it's the ATR forty two, it's one hundred and sixty knots, <laughs> so it's it's a lot. How disappointing! <laughs> it's a lot slower, but it gives you more time to think about stuff. I guess. Is Which that is, is that how you justify it? I need to, I need to think about how strong I want my cup of tea in the, in the cruise. <laughs> what biscuit I'm going to have with it? I'm going to have a tonics caramel. I'm going to have a digestive. Maybe a hobnob. Who knows? Oh, tonic.
0: T- tonic's so digestive, yeah.
1: Um, so, that anyone that's. Well, now nah, you can become a fat bastard then.
2: So?
1: I mean, right, I've been to be out. Fair,
2: you haven't got the power to fly I, yet. So.
1: I've, <laughs> I've been out in Amsterdam for four weeks, and I'm, for the first time ever, I'm over 10 stone, so.
2: because you've been getting the munchies, Daniel. L- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, nah, I passed the dutchies to the left hand side. Ah. Uh... Oh, that was
2: bad. Have you been given any routes yet, or is that to be confirmed?
1: To be confirmed, at the moment, so in Vanessa, So, like I was saying earlier, um, so Logan Air's going through a period at the moment, they had the Saab 340, which is a, I love it, it's old and stuff. I've never been on one again, but um, they're getting long in the tooth now. They're being retired and being replaced by the ATR. Um, at the moment Inverness has got loads of cargo stuff going on so they do the flight down to East Midlands Royal Mail contract um, and then they then go from here up to the Highlands and Islands, sorry up to the Islands so like Stornoway, Kirkwall, Bembecula, places I've never been to before where it's wild and woolly and very friggin windy but um, yeah it's it's going to be totally different to to Flybeam and they encourage mm. hand flying, which is one thing that I'm really looking forward to. Um, if you can get the autopilot out, get it out and hand fly it. And not, not a lot of airlines are are like that. Fair
2: play. All oh, good luck.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know we, we we I mean we all were already new, obviously, but obviously it goes without saying. Congratulations and nice. Well done. And we're all very happy for you that you're, you're finally finally back behind the planes of the, the 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 controls of a if not a real plane but at least something with wings <laughs>
1: it only becomes a tail drag if i land it really hard and the nose wheel comes <laughs> off
2: any landing you can walk away from oh yeah. no <laughs> there you go um do you do
0: you, do you want to tell what? What was the ground school in Amsterdam like? And also, I I know you you mentioned you went to the uh, Aviation Museum in Amsterdam,
1: so you could maybe talk about that as well. Yeah, Uh, so it was a week of ground school, technical ground school, before we went out, and then it was The Sims. Um, But in that, we got quite a bit of time off. So for all you F1 fans, I went to Zandvoort. I don't think any F1 fan is going to be impressed by you going to Zandvoort. Well, if there's any Red Bull fans listening, stop. (laughs) Go away. Um, but I also <laughs> do we re- are we keeping that in?
0: Are we? Are we have one? We we just we just insult Red Bull fans. I I am
1: <laughs> <laughs> just had a swig of beer. That's why two ca- two down <laughs> <can Dan. laughs>
0: two can down.
1: Um, no, so time off wise managed to get to the um, aviation museum at Lelystad. So there's two big museums in the Netherlands. There's the one that I went to. And then there's one at Seuss, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, which is more military. It's not just aviation, it's their military museum, so land warfare okay. and, and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but with the guys that I was with, they weren't as bothered by that, so we went to the one at Lelystad. A very, very, very good museum. Thoroughly recommend it, and dead easy to get to for anyone that's visiting that happens to be in Amsterdam okay yeah really easy hop on a train 40 minutes Mm. um how much was it to get in in fact 15 euros so about what 13 quid and there was it was a full we were there for about six hours and we were taking our time and yeah that was it was really Mm -hmm. good some really nice stuff there there was a big 747 200 um, oh really? Yeah, and it's a really interesting one. Not not on poles, like at a. Not on poles. Not one that you could walk on the wing and it started bouncing up and down, <laughs> <laughs> and no slide that came out at the bottom of it. Oh, got it. Um, the a um, couple of nice things outside like a DC four, um, mm. yeah, uh, a MiG twenty one, a Viggen, uh, lots of fuckers. I'm not swearing, um, but. They have got some lovely, some lovely rarities as well, like a DC two. I've never seen a DC two before. Really? No, I've never seen a DC two before.
0: No, I mean, I mean, really, as in, there's a DC two. Oh so yeah, yeah. Beautiful.
1: It was the one that compete. It, it's been made to look like the one that competed in the air race. Um, in I can't remember what year, but um, yeah, that was there. And then inside, they've got the so the inside of the museum they've recently redone about three or four years ago, and it basically goes through aviation in the Netherlands, so it starts off like pre-war, there's like a replica of the Wright Flyers um, aircraft there, mm. and then it goes through World War One, interwar, World War II. Um It's not that military-orientated, it's more bits of everything. The commercial stuff, I mean, We came around the corner. You walk through a DC three, and then all of a sudden you're greeted with a a Lockheed Constellation, which was absolutely beautiful, and it was in amazing condition. I mean, the story of it's quite sad because it was actually meant to be a flyer. Um, I was going to
2: mention. Was that not that museum? A lot of that stuff until is it late nineties, early two thousand? Was a lot of that stuff flyers, and then yeah, and.
1: Well, so they used Stomper. to have, they had the Dutch Catalina there. So I don't know if you remember, a couple, they had that. Mm-hmm. There was that silver one that went to the US a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. That was there and went. Um, the DC two was a flyer. It's not flying at the moment. There's the Martin's Air Charter DC three that was flying up until a few years ago. That's grounded. But the Lockheed Constellation was one of the uh, is it MATS that used to be in the US. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, they got it from the desert, they got it working again. I mean, they went to hell and back to try and get it flying again. Like, they retrofitted it with some different propellers and stuff, flew it from the US to the Netherlands in the early noughties. Um, and then, like all good things, I think it was 2008, 2009. Uh, so the recession ran out of money, shame, never flown, shame. Um, but they keep it in really good well, condition. I have a horrible feeling
0: we're heading that way now, actually, at the moment. We could go into another recession. How much are we going to lose on. Yeah. It's...
1: In the civilian world, again. But other than that, yeah, really good museum. Thoroughly recommend it. Um, pretty decent for photos. It's quite dark inside. If you are wanting photos, it is quite dark. But I didn't take a tripod mm-hmm. and I was fine. <coughs> um, but yeah, well, really, it's really good. Of
0: Dutch flyers,
1: that fucker D21 flew
0: had its first flight yeah. quite recently, didn't it? Which is very exciting. Very, very
1: exciting. Can't wait to see that at Flying Legends. Oh, wait.
0: Oh, dear. Uh,
1: what's happening with Flying Legends? Just just as a, a cheekier side. We, do,
0: we don't know. It's just not happening this year. It'd be nice if it happens. Is it happening next again, year? But we don't or is that
1: know. it? Oh, weird. Um, but I'm not the only one that's... Um, been on their travels recently. Although mine yours, Sam, you weren't you weren't really going for work though, were you? You wanna speak about Turkey a
0: little bit? Uh I mean you, you preface it saying I wasn't really going for work. Like that makes it Listen, sound...
1: listen, that's the best segue that I've ever done. <clears throat> it, it was a good segue, Don't... but
0: the way you said it made it sound like it was really sus. Which it wasn't. <laughs> I was just going for a it was the press day of a um uh, a Turkish exercise that I went to, and you made it sound like it was something really weird and more than that.
2: <laughs>
0: you might have gone and done some weird stuff that we didn't know. We well. didn't. We did nothing. We were there for about twenty-four hours. Slash, depends on how you look at it. Thirty-six hours. Hey, well, you can do a lot um, in thirty-six hours. Well, I will tell you what, we did do actually. Okay, so I, I, I went to uh, Anatolian Phoenix, which is a helicopter-based exercise in Konya, in Turkey. Um, we did. There's a There's a Turkish Stars Park. Just outside the airport in Konya, where we went and saw a few airframes there. And then there's an F5 on a pole um, in a university in Konya, uh, which we went and had a look at, which was, I I showed you guys the photos, which was very cool. Um, Yeah, so I went to, you could call it work, because I'm going to have an article in a magazine about it, so professional professional business traveling. Um, It was very cool. It was mostly um, Turkish helicopters. I mean everything there was not, was something I was seeing for the first time you know so that's always makes a trip worth it uh I'll I'll get the list up planes um, and helicopters I can give you the list because I made a, a an account of everything that
2: <laughs> what a uh. Oh did you get the registers as well Oh
1: what did
0: I mean? did get the registrations uh, in the oh, in the upcoming sick, ar- in started. combat ec- up ah 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 i would never do it willingly get plane base um, mate you'll love it in in the upcoming uh combat aircraft journal report on the on the exercise so the turkish air force one times wedge tail which we saw landing didn't get any pictures of it eight times f5 f16s we saw four um it, which were dropping live bombs which was very cool I'm not one for like weapons and planes, oh, yeah. uh, weapons and, and and ordnance and all that kind of stuff, but the actual sight of a plane dropping a bomb and the bomb explodes and it's very loud is very cool.
1: It's usually what bombs do, Sam. Just putting it out there, they usually go boom and make a big noise. Well, the training ones don't, Dan.
2: <laughs> Drop beats, not bombs. Bob, um, you're coming out with
1: some blinders tonight. Have you been like on some sort of spiritual? Journey, or
2: something. It's my 50th see, birthday.
0: See, they've made a typo in there actually. Um, uh, Turkish Air Force CN 235, which was very cool. Uh, saw two Turkish Air Force Cougars, Turkish Army T 129 ATACs, which are like the Mangusta um, TAC helicopters, S 70 IA Blackhawk, in some of the most incredible camouflage I've ever seen in my life. It was beautiful. Uh, Turkish special operations Black Hawk, which was just black. Uh, Turkish gendarmerie Black Hawk, which was in this really funky red, white, and blue scheme, um, which didn't look very tactical in any way. Uh, Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus Cougar, and then the real highlights were two Azerbaijani Air Force Mi-17s, which which were absolutely
1: dreamboats. I've got a question about those. Go on. Did they fly them over from Azerbaijan, or how far is it from Azerbaijan to to not very far? Is it not okay? I need to look at a map. I can't remember if they have
0: any border, actual border, but the two Azerbaijan and Turkey are very close. Right. Um, they're both. I think the languages are actually quite similar. I think, um, and in general, geopolitically, anyway, they're very close. They they had the war against Armenia. It was it was the, the Turkish-Russian proxy war, the Karabakh-Nagorno war a couple of years ago, which Turkey and Azerbaijan won, which looks like it's going to go for round two again, unfortunately, because Russia's pulled out of Armenia. Right. Which is not, unfortunately, but, you know, it's what a horrible mess to untangle. Um, but it was very cool. The ATACs did some live firing as well. Um, and... That was again just quite cool to see, having never seen. It was the first time I've ever seen anything live firing, as far as I know. It was very, very cool. We we went up the range tower, um, from their big weapons range that they have, and all the helicopters came past and did stuff, and loads of them. You know, some of them came and the troops fast roped out, or they they landed, and all these you know soldiers ran out with their guns and stuff, and um quite a ride variety of like they had cougars some with like these big fuel tank pods some with like miniguns out the side and all like different bits and bobs on them and it was really cool yeah I had a very good time and then I'm back there at the end of this month for Anatolian Eagle um which is the the jets and stuff which should have Azerbaijani, Fulcrums and Frogfoots as well um, should but obviously until they turn up we you know we, we can't guarantee anything Nice. Um the interesting thing about this was uh, Anatolian Phoenix it was a the better part of about I think 20 spotter/press slash press people um and then they're saying it's only about 700 for Anatolian Eagle what possible some, somewhere in the between 400 and 700 I think which is Bonkers no, for a spotters day.
1: What, what, why? Why? Not that difference? this was a
0: spotters day. This was a press day, and I don't know how. I literally don't know how they would have coped having more people because they took us up the range tower, and we literally filled the entire rail around the range tower. And I don't know what we would have done if there were more people.
1: Well, you'd have just pushed them off because you like pushing stuff off. All things, don't you? I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. <laughs> Sounds um, like something, that sounds wh- like
0: something you've just made up, so.
1: Wh- when's Anatolian Eagle,
0: sorry? Uh it's the end of this month. Um 29th and 30th okay. of June. Nice. Cool. So I'm sure. I actually tried to hold back on sending you guys pictures in the group chat because I didn't want to be that guy, but you know. That boat out or... long ago. Sorry? That boat sailed <laughs> long ago. Just
1: do it.
2: We can't judge you any more than what we all did. <laughs> just far away
0: All right, okay. in that case I'm just going to do a, a massive dump of Azerbaijani lovely Soviet fighter jets in that case
2: oh no P- please don't do that oh no
1: <laughs> yeah well I'm going to send you pictures of mouth Typhoons and we'll decide what's
0: cooler yeah but I saw yeah, a whole bunch of those the other day didn't I don't do that uh, uh, <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note that's been another episode of the UK Airshare Review podcast. Uh thank you for listening. We are on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at uk air show review Uh we also have an old fashioned style website, you know, like the olden days, uh airshows.co.uk and we have a forum as well where you can join in the discussion, particularly getting now into the airshow season, there's lots going on. Forums.airshows.co.uk uh feel free to share the episode if you've liked it share the podcast we, we're obviously looking always to grow our listener numbers and uh we'll be back probably quite soon i think with another episode because uh, there's always we, we've got lots of shows coming up to
1: review and report on so see you soon goodbye